Okay, week three. Week three. We're in the series that we're calling Follow Me, and it's all about Jesus. To say, how did Jesus live? How did Jesus teach? How did Jesus call people to follow him? And those were the specific words that he used. He would walk up to people seemingly randomly, but he had way more going on, and he would just call them to follow him. And they dropped what they were doing because they knew an invitation like this didn't come around maybe once in a lifetime. And they followed Jesus, and they gave their life to him. And then he invited them for those three and a half years into relationship, and he challenged them in ways that they never thought they'd get challenged, and they grew. And that's how the church started. He passed it on to them, and he said, now you're going to do even greater things than I did. And the church blew up around the world. For those three and a half years, we want to take a look at what Jesus did and how he led. His final words, as he called people to follow him, and they spent those three and a half years together, his final words were, now go do this. Now you make disciples. He made them disciples of him. And then he gave them the baton and said, now you do it. So the way of Jesus was to make disciples who would make disciples, right? That's us. That's we. We, the church, are called to become disciples who make disciples. And we're trying to shift our mindset in even more focused ways at Damascus Road to move out of a delivery culture where you come to church to be fed by professional Christians. And we're moving and transferring into a be the church mentality where we are the church, where you hear from God and you respond to him, where you follow Jesus and you feed directly off of God. And you get to lead out in your life. And Sunday morning is a gathering, is a gathering to worship together, to learn together, to grow together. But it's not, it's not, Sunday morning isn't go to church. Sunday morning is the church coming together, right? It's not a building, it's a we. It's us. He said, make disciples. He wanted people to hear the voice of God and be able to respond to it. He wanted to issue an invitation so that people knew that they were deeply loved by God, even before they did anything to earn it. You don't ever earn the love of God. It's just freely given. He wanted people to know that they were loved and then that they were sent. That it's not just about an invitation to a relationship where we get to be cozy. It's also a relationship that goes out and seeks to pour in and seeks to grow and seeks to love others the way that we have been lent, loved. We're loved and we're sent. If you missed uh, one or both of the last two weeks, I'd really encourage you to go check out the podcast or uh, go to the website and listen to the message just because I think there's really good stuff that we're talking about, about ways that God is moving in us in ways that I'm confident that as God is going to continue moving in us as a body. And like I said earlier, today we're going to start three weeks on three different kinds of relationships that every follower of Jesus needs in their life to really live this life with God. If you have a Bible, you can open up to Luke 6. We're going to camp out there this morning, and I want to show you some really simple things because Jesus models these three kinds of relationships. We aren't just making these up. This is, if this is all about Jesus, then we should expect to see it in the life of Jesus, right? 
And this passage, um, this passage very clearly shows all three of these kinds of relationships in Jesus' life. And now once they pop out to you, you can read through the Gospels and the life of Jesus and see them popping up all over the place. This is just like a snapshot uh, section of verses. We're going to start in Luke verse 6, um, chapter, or Luke chapter 6, verse 12, and we're going to go all the way through 19. Now, the relationships, the relationships, um, I'm, going to, I'm going to try something here, okay? As we read, I'm going to give you permission to interrupt. What I, where I want you to interrupt is if you feel bold enough, I want you to call out, stop. If you think we're reading something that is highlighting one kind of these three relationships, okay? Does that make sense? So we're not going to read this. The, the, the idea is that we're not going to read this whole thing in continuity. We're going to stop three different times. If you don't yell stop, there's going to be some awkwardness, okay? So I'm going to start reading. You feel like we're tapping into one of these kinds of relationships? Just yell at me. Got it? All right. Luke 6, verse 12. In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. Yeah, good. Well done. This is the first relationship that Jesus uh, models, his relationship up with God. Okay? Jesus models a relationship with the Father that was central in his life. Mark 1.35 says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and he went to a solitary place where he prayed. He said, before I do anything in the day, I want to make sure I'm centered. I want to make sure I'm focused on my relationship with the Father. Jesus often withdrew to be with the Father. And for him, I really believe it was about intimacy. It was about relationship. It was about guidance, seeking guidance from the Father, and being reminded of his own identity. At his baptism, when John the Baptist was reluctant, reluctant to baptize Jesus, and Jesus said, no, you need to do this. We need to do this. He said the Spirit of God descended like a dove. Like, what a picture of peace. And the voice of God called out from heaven in one of those times where the clouds actually do split and everyone around heard the same voice and said, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Now, Jesus hadn't done anything yet. Jesus hadn't jumped into ministry. Relationship happens before ministry. The invitation happens before the challenge. The covenant promise, the relationship of God happens before we get about our business of following God, right? And that was the same for Jesus. His relationship meant everything to him. So much so that in John 5, 19 and 20, Jesus, it says, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son, he's speaking of himself here, the son can do nothing of his own accord but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. He's in constant connection with the Father. He's taking reads and taking calls. He's imitating. He's listening. And he's responding to that relationship. His first relationship that Jesus models is up with God. Okay, we're going to go back to Luke 6. Call out, stop when you see the next kind of relationship happening. Luke 12, 13 through 16, And when the day came, he called his disciples 
and chose from them twelve whom he named apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter. Did someone call it? I'm making stuff up in my head. Karina, good cue. I'm going to keep reading. No, it's so good. Yeah, it's good. This is the beautiful awkwardness of doing these things, right? Peter and Andrew, his brother, and James and John and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James, the son of Alphaeus and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. He called stop. This second kind of relationship, Jesus has a relationship first up with God, and then he calls people in. He welcomes people in to the, to the closest relationships that he has. With these 12 and with a larger crowd of disciples, so these 12 became known as the apostles, and then there was a larger group called the disciples who were made up of both men and women who walked with Jesus, who followed him, whom he invested in for those three and a half years. The closest with the 12, and even with the 12, there were three that he most closely walked with. The three and the 12 and 72, Jesus invested in them. He invited them into life. That's who these guys are. They're the ones he's going to invest his life in over the next three years. And they lived in community. They lived life together. They traveled together. They had time together. They made memories together. I'm going to guarantee you they argued together. They fought together. I'm sure they laughed together. They probably threw mud at each other from time to time. They had so much going on in laughter and tears and frustration and victories. They became like family. Jesus was born into an earthly family. And when he went to connect with them on his identity given from God, they rejected him. And he said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start to work on uh, a different kind of family. And so Jesus called them in. And they became like family. That second relationship that Jesus models, up with God and in with the disciples. And we're going to go to the third kind of relationship. Luke 12, starting in 17. And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out of him, and he healed them all. Yeah, good. Relationship one is up with the Father. Relationship two is in with disciples. And relationship three is out with the world. Right? It said the crowds. Whenever you see that keyword crowds in the New Testament, in the Gospels, that's an out relationship. The crowds came to him. They weren't people who walked with him for those three years. They like came and saw. Some of them followed him. Lots of them were healed. This passage says all of them right there were healed. Anybody who asked got healed. It was just coming out of them. I'd love to see that picture that day. Some of them had an experience with Jesus, and then walked away. And that didn't change Jesus' stance toward them. He looked at them, and he loved them. He looked at them, and he loved them, and he issued an invitation, and then he gave them a choice. Lots of them followed. Lots of them walked away. It was too hard to swallow. But Jesus knew that was a third kind of relationship. He, talk, he talks in language like he came to seek and save the lost. He came to heal the sick. And he said, like, 
People who are healthy don't need to see a doctor. People who are sick need help. And what he's identifying is people who know they've got something going on in their soul that's wrong. He said, I came for you. I came for you. We can do something with this now. Healing and power, seeking and saving because he loved them. So I'm a visual learner, and I want to throw up a, a graphic on the screen about what this looks like, three different kinds of relationships. And uh, in its most basic form, you can picture a triangle, right? Triangle. Jesus lived in relationships up with God, in with the disciples, and out with the world. That, to me, is helpful because I could put it on a napkin. I could have a conversation. It's just like, oh, like, think of a triangle if you want to think about Jesus and the relationships he had in his life. Now, here's the deal. If we're called to follow Jesus... We're called to model our lives after Jesus, right? We look at the three kinds of relationships he had. We need to take notes from that. You need to take cues from that and say, the relationship that Jesus had, those also become ours. Those also become relationships that we move into. As we follow Jesus, these are the three kinds of relationships we need to be in, both as individuals and as a church. We need, you need, and I need a relationship up with God. We need a relationship in with community so much that it starts to feel like family. And we're called to live out with love toward the world around us. Micah 6.8 is an Old Testament example of this. You can put this on the screen. It says, He has told you, God has told you, oh man, what is good? What does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? So the do justice is the out. Look at the world around you and look at justice or injustice around you and do something about it. Bring justice and bring righteousness to the world around you. That's what God requires. And love mercy. The word for mercy here is this, my favorite word probably in the entire Bible is hesed, and it's, it's translated here, um, it's translated here kindness. In other translations, it's mercy, it's loving kindness, it's steadfastness, it's the idea of love beyond the call of duty. It's love that family is called to have for each other. That's the in. You love each other that you would go to war for each other, that you would spend yourself, that you would be, go beyond the call of duty for each other, and you guys in deep community in Damascus Road know what this is about. You have people who have gone to war for you. That's what this is talking about. We live in community. This is walk humbly with your God. That's our up. If we do not have all three of the relationships of the triangle, the up and the in and the out, we're out of balance. And we're going to kind of wobble through life. Personally and as a church, now, I want to I do this because we, we all wobble, right? We're, none of us do this perfectly well. We're all uh, in this sort of already, already here, already healed, still broken, waiting for the final, final, final healing when Jesus comes back and makes all things new. But we're going to walk with a wobble even as we experience the healing. We're not going to always get it right, right? So I think, I think each one of us in this triangle uh, naturally 
move uh, toward one or two of these and maybe away from a third. And I will tell you that's true for me. So if you, if you are a, a person or if we as a church or any church focus on the up and the in, what's missing there? That looks probably like a super tight group seeing God work but not reaching out. Like we can come in and be together and miss what's going on in the world around us and miss the love that we're called to extend out. If we're an up and out person or an up and out church, this is a church that is bringing more and more people into the presence of God, but we're not really experiencing real community. There's a superficial community and uh, churches like this, you can come for years and years and years and remain anonymous. Like, you don't feel like you're known. You might experience that here at Damascus Road, and that grieves me. And I want for you to be able to experience the in community where you are known and where you are loved and where you know people deeply in community. And then if you focus just on the up or on the in and the out, that's like the best social club ever. That's like, come be a part of this, feel the love, but God really isn't in the mix. We might say he is, but we're not really relating. We, don't, we maybe don't have a foundational relationship that drives us. We just like hugging. We just like being together, and we like bringing more people into the hug fest, but we're missing God in it. So all three of those, even if you're getting two out of three ain't bad, that's still a wobble, right? That's still a big miss. Now, the grace here is that we're not, perfection isn't expected. As we follow Jesus, we commit to grow. I commit to grow in these areas. I am not knocking these areas out of the park. I have great room for growth. And I expect that you do too. And I want to challenge myself I want to respond to the voice of God calling me in these three different ways of relationships to respond. And I want you to hear that as well. How are you? How are you doing? In the next three weeks, we're going to highlight uh, one of these relationships a week. Today, we're going to highlight up. Next week, we're going to highlight in. And then uh, a couple weeks from now, we're going to highlight out. Micah 6.8 says... Walk humbly with your God, right? That's the up relationship. Now, it doesn't say get information about God, get really smart about God. And it doesn't say take the next step and talk often with God. It says walk. Walk humbly. Now, to walk humbly is a way that you live your life where you're not puffed up, where you have a real view of who you are and who God is. That is an invitation to a relationship like no other, that you walk day in and day out. You get to live with him. You get to follow him. You get to be transformed by him. That's what it is to walk humbly with God. It's choosing joy, a joyful relationship over a dutiful relationship. Joy over duty, right? Joy trumps duty. There's a duty part of it. I have responsibility, but it's my joy. If you ever 
are walking in your relationship with God and it just feels like a drag, something's wrong. If you open your Bible and you're like, oh, I know I should do this, that's a cue that something is off. That doesn't mean you're bad. That doesn't mean, like, look how screwed up I am. I can't even get this right. I should love my Bible. Don't do that. Take a cue and hear an invitation because there's a why behind it. Are you reading it out of duty or are you reading it out of relationship? And this isn't just a pen pal relationship. Do those even exist anymore? Remember you like write to somebody and you're pretty sure it was them who wrote back to you? As a kid, we had that in school. It could, be, could have been anybody. Who did that? You did that this year. It does exist still. This is deeper than a pen pal relationship. You don't get to walk with a pen pal, right? You'll get periodic updates from a pen pal. And that's a cool relationship to have. It's a different kind of relationship to have. But this relationship with God that you're intended to have is meant to be a walk with. In the big moments in life, in the mundane stuff of life, in the everyday stuff of life, you are invited to walk with God. Do you know God's smile? Do you know how much he adores you? How affectionate he is toward you? how much he hates your sin and wants to work with you on that, but how he adores you. Do you know God's smile? Because you can't pass on what you don't have. You really cannot give somebody or lead somebody into a relationship with God if you're not experiencing that yourself. You can have great information and pass on theoretical principles, but you don't have the ability to say, would you meet my friend God? Would you meet the one that I've given my soul to you, my rescuer and my redeemer and the one who's transforming me? I want you to know him like I know him and know the joy that I know. Do you know the Father and the Son and the Spirit? Do you know how much you are loved, how the Father loves you and how the Son sacrificed for you and how the Spirit wants to fill you and be with you every moment. This is seen in verses like John 10, 27, when Jesus says, my sheep, and he's referring to us who follow him, my sheep, hear my voice. And it's not just to hear like, a, I think someone's talking. They hear my voice. They can discern among other voices out there, and they hear my voice. And I know them deeply, and they follow me. Or in John 15, verses 1 through 5, when he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. And now the invitation, abide in me. Live with me. Walk with me and I in you, as the branch, as you, the branch, as me, I, the branch, cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Who is the vine? Jesus is the vine, right? Unless the branch abides in the vine, it can't produce fruit. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, it's like we just, 
we wither, we wither, and we don't flourish. Do you know this relationship? Are you thriving here? Is there room for you to grow here? There's room for me to grow here. Now, Justin used this quadrant last week. He put it up on the flip chart paper. I'm going to put it up on the screen today. If you were here, this is a reminder. If you weren't, this is kind of a um, let's explain and get you caught up. So the relationship of following Jesus, the relationship of a disciple is about wanting to live up and to the right in both high invitation and high challenge. So Justin walked through, what does it look like if we live a high invitation but low challenge relationship with God? That's cozy lifestyle. That's like, I just want you to nurture me. I just want you to love on me. I just want to be safe with you. And there are times where that kind of relationship with God gets highlighted. Our God is a God of comfort. And in times of grief, it's often not the challenge that Jesus is leaning into. There are times when that's it. But if that's the only relationship with you have with God, then something's missing. If you live a very high challenge relationship with God and low invitation, this is kind of what I was talking about before. If you're stressed and discouraged in your relationship with God, maybe it's because you feel so much duty and so little invitation. You feel so much I've got to do, to do, to do, to do, to do. And I don't feel invited into his presence. I don't feel his smile. Now, if you've got a relationship with God that's low invitation and low challenge, then you're just frankly bored. We could, we could put the word dead here. Like, that's not a relationship. That's, there's nothing going on. There's, life is not happening. If you feel bored or stagnant and you're like, I got neither, I've got neither high challenge nor high invitation. I, I hope you feel a jolt. Not condemnation, but something that wakes you up, something that stirs in you to say, what is true right now is not good. And if you're living in one of the other two quadrants, either cozy or stressed, I want you to hear either the invitation or the challenge to go up and to the right, to live the both and to live a high invitation and high challenge. Now, I want to ask you, in your relationship up with God, which quadrant do you find yourself in right now, today? Nobody can diagnose this for you. This is something that you look at. Be honest with yourself. Where do you find yourself? What would it look like for you to move up and to the right? Do you need a high invitation from God? Do you need to hear his invitation? Or maybe do you need a challenge out of cozy world? Not that the invitation goes away. It's both and. It can feel like that at the beginning when you're adding challenge. It can feel like, oh, what's happening to my nice, safe world? When in reality, the invitation is still there and you're adding challenge. What would it look like for you to live up and to the right. I want to um, talk about me and let you see into my life a little bit this morning. This is the teaching component. Here's information. But I, I want to I tell you a little bit about how I've been walking this out over the last year and a half. Okay? 
because I have felt lots of invitation and lots of challenge over the last year and a half, two years ago. A year and a half ago, I was in a discipleship relationship in a group, kind of like the one that I started, the one uh, that are going to be multiplying here in the near future. And I was participating in that and being discipled in that. And we had a conversation about these three kinds of relationships. And we had to score where we were, where we felt like we were in each of those. And what got highlighted for me that night was I'm feeling pretty low actually right now in my relationship up with God. Like I'm meeting with so many different people in and out, but I'm not carving out time specifically for God. I don't feel like I'm relating well personally up with God. I felt tired. And the relationships, what happened here is these relationships really started to drain me because they don't have the fuel that only God can give. And so the challenge and the invitation that I heard from God in that night was to retreat, was to like unplug and go plug in and focus on God. And so I took two and a half, three days where I just went alone. Justin mentioned he went to this kind of hermitage-like thing. This, this is where I went. I want to show you a picture of it just because I think it's cool. This stone building, uh, super rough, didn't have a bathroom, didn't have running water, and it was perfect for me to say, don't talk. They had a bathroom down the way, so like that was okay. <laughs> All right, And there was a shower. That was okay, too. But it was perfect for me to unplug from all the other voices so that I could hear the one that mattered most. And I spent two and a half, three days where I got back into a rhythm of reading both Bible and uh, books written by followers of Jesus to, to start to cue my attention back up. I had been reading a book called With. That's all about the different ways that we relate with God and miss, miss the center. And with is all about this idea that God intends us to walk with him. Not, not just live life from him or for him or under him or over him, but at the center with him. And I felt invited back into the with. And I started this rhythm of morning, noon, and evening just stopping and reading, and praying, and journaling. I actually wrote on my arm, I'm going to show you, you might think this is dumb. It was like, uh, what was coming out of me? A verse would pop out, and I'd be like, I want to remember that as I go on a hike later today, and I'd write it down, and I would just keep living it, that Christ might dwell in me, and be reminded of that truth. God, cleanse me from my sins, and I'm clean, I'm washed, this is the work that you do in me, that uh, in your word is my trust. That's the one lowest on my forearm there. These are just passages that were jumping out to me and ringing through, and I was hearing God's voice, and I was grabbing onto them and saying, thank you that you have kept calling even while I've drifted. And over the course of this three days, I felt God's smile come back into my life, and I felt re um, energized in my relationship with God so that I could continue those rhythms plugging back into the other noises. 
the other voices. We're not, le- we're not meant to just live a hermitage lifestyle, right? But there are times when you, meet, you may need to say, something's out of whack, and I need to push everything else away. This happened to me. It was so good for me. There have been other times where I've just had a growing sense of God's voice putting certain people on my mind at certain times. And in the past, um, while I wouldn't say I believe in coincidence, I functioned as if it was coincidence, like a random thought. And I've grown more and more in a sensitivity to say, if somebody comes to my mind, my heart burns for that person, uh, that's probably less coincidence than more the voice of God. And I may not even know what's going on, but I've learned just to stop and pray. There are times when I'm with people and say, can I just pray for you? And quite honestly, that's a voice I need to continue to learn to respond to. I'm not like super good at it. And I need to continue to grow there. But I love, I love in me that there's a growing reception to the voice of God. I've had a deeper connection in the last year and a half with my own DNA. When I was listening to a sermon, it was actually a sermon recommended by Tony Tucci's dad, where he yelled at me, not his dad, but the guy who was preaching. He said, stop trying to be anybody else. The minute you try to be somebody else, the Holy Spirit stops working through you. I was like, whoa, I don't know if I believe that, but good challenge. The challenge is, I have to be who God made me. I can't be anybody else. If I try, I'm trying to live in a fantasy world, right? I'm an imposter. I'm a poser. I have to step into my shoes and live with humility and courage the way God has wired me. And so, not always, Leslie would argue this next thing that I'm going to say, not always, but I tend to be a good listener. <laughs> and she might say, meh. <laughs> I tend to be a good listener. That's part of what God has wired in me. I tend to underreact. One of my biggest life rules is don't freak out, which is really good unless there's a fire, <laughs> right? If you're in battle, there's, there's like, okay, do something. Don't freak out. I, I've told parents in ministry for years and years and years, if your kid comes to you with shocking news, underreact. Don't freak out. Grace takes over in the quiet and in an understanding ear. I have resonated with this idea of we have two ears and one mouth for a reason for a long time. Like, listen, listen to people. And the verse that says, be quick to listen, be slow to speak, and be slow to become angry. That's one of my life verses. But I've also noticed that I can struggle to find my own voice which is freaking ironic for somebody who gets up and does public speaking nearly every week, right? (laughs) God has power to give me in my life. And I've been afraid. I've been afraid of power. I've been afraid in what God could do in me. And specifically, I think I've been afraid of hurting people or displeasing people. And um, I think just a lot of 
fear of failure. The fear is so deep in me that for most of my life, I haven't even been able to identify it. I haven't even... People, uh, a friend a couple months back said, I think you have a lot of fear in your life. And I was like, hmm, I'll have to think about that. I'm not sure. I mean, this is not like a long journey that I've been on. This is like fairly recently in the last few months that I've woken up and some of you are like, oh, finally, okay? (laughs) For me, this is my own awakening. God is just constantly telling me not to be afraid. So a while ago, my back was killing me. I don't know if you've ever had like incapacitating back pain where I could not sleep at night I go back and I'd lie down and I it just my body was screaming and I'd get up and I'd go to the couch and my body was screaming. I get up and walk around and I was like whimpering at night. My back hurt so bad. Something tweaked and I was not good. And I called like I just kind of like asked some people to pray for me the way we're supposed to do. <laughs> and then Joe and Crystal and Tracy said we'd love to come over and pray for you. Like, oh, Awesome. It's, we're going there. <laughs> and so they came over one evening and they started uh, praying for healing in my back. And it went pretty normal. And then Tracy screwed it up. And she, she just took a risk and she says, Shannon, on the way over here, I felt like God was just putting one word on my mind toward you and the word was fear. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> and she said, is that relevant? Like God, God was doing something there last night. Now I believe I had real back pain and I actually believe healing started that night. I'm standing up here with no back pain now right? There's stuff going on in me, but like, but I also think that the back pain wasn't the point, not the major point, not the primary point. The primary point was something that was much deeper in me. And I was so grateful that night when Tracy interrupted. I mean, it took me a little while to be grateful, but then I stepped into it. So we're supposed to be praying for my back. And now we're praying about my fear. And something happens, and I'm just able to let it go. And I don't know what happened. But we commanded the fear to go in Jesus' name, and it was like something dropped off of me. It was like, I think fear is still going to pop up in my life. But I, I feel a peace that I haven't felt, maybe ever in what happened there. My back didn't completely heal that night. I'm feeling much, much better now. But something I think greater happened. And that peace filled where fear had been. And now when fear comes back, because it knows my name, I am much, much better able to identify it. And say, hold on, you are not my friend. I've treated you like a stowaway or like a friend for far too long. You're not my friend. Go away. Yeah, Mickey. 
And there's, I love that for me, what the Father and what the Son and what the Spirit offer in a relationship with Him. I'm not done. I'm still growing. And I love this change. How great the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. So that's the first relationship up with God. Next week, we're going to talk about living in community. And then we'll talk about living and loving out with the world. But what do I want for you today? In a little bit, I'm going to throw up some questions on the screen. These are all questions that could relate to your relationship up with God. And we're going to take two minutes of quiet so that you can just look at them and read through them. And what I want you to ask is, God, is there something that you want to get my attention on today? And one of these questions jump out either in an, oh, I didn't think that could be true of me, or oh, darn it, that's going on. You just said fear, Tracy. Or you feel an invitation to jump into that or a challenge to deal with something that you have been pushing away. I'm going to throw these uh, questions up on the screen right now. Now, these are not all prescriptions for you today. I don't want you to read this as a should list, right? That You need to be nailing every one of these. I want you to hear these uh, as an opportunity to hear the voice of God in your life. If something jumps out, don't think that, of that as a coincidence. Do I make enough space for prayer? What situation or person is weighing on my heart? Am I noticing God's strength and power more and more in my life? Do I still or have I ever felt God's pleasure? Am I living in a state of peace? Am I afraid or nervous? And am I obedient to God's prompting? I want you to take two minutes to read through them. What jumps out? you have one that's jumping out, maybe take some time. Remember a couple weeks ago when we talked about the Kairos moment? God identifies something and you can observe something, and the next step is then to reflect on it. Then why is that jumping out? What's going on in me? What's going on in my heart? Why is that one jumping out to me today? And again, I don't want you to feel condemnation in it, but attention. What's going on?
Now, if you can identify something, I want you to take a risk this week. That third step in hearing God's voice, we talked about observe, observe, reflect, and then the third step is discuss. I want you to take a risk this week and say, hey, with a friend, I think something's going on here with this question. Do you see this in my life? Or here's what I'm thinking through. Here's what I'm reflecting on. However that conversation looks, okay? Let's talk about it with somebody. Don't do this alone. Feel an invitation into community. It might be a challenge into community. Take a risk. Like there, you could lose something. That's what risk is. And be willing to take that risk and be vulnerable because it's worth it. Talk with somebody this week. And if you feel like maybe you're hearing God's voice, maybe is good enough. If you feel like definitely, that's fantastic. But if you've been like me where it's been a long time like not hearing God's voice, you're like, well, maybe God, that's you. Then move on that. Then you, you get to be in a place where you say, how will I respond to this? If I feel like maybe God is talking to me, how will I respond? Will I push it away? Will I shove it down? Will I just hope it goes away? Or will I, will I respond and make a plan to do something? It's not about legalism. It's not about like pleasing God to do something. It's about responding to an invitation or challenge that you think he's giving you. If it's the voice of God, respond to it. Is that a fair challenge? Now we're talking about risk today. We're going to end here, we're going to pray, and we're going to go into communion. Joe last week got up and he shared about his own story and what God was telling him about, like, personally, like, you need to write worship music. And Joe wrote a worship song, and then he shared it with a few people. And today, for the first time, he's going to share it with us. It's our communion song today. It's something that came out of listening to God's voice and responding to it. So it's, it's a reflection song, but it's also a celebration song of the life that God is pouring into us. And we get to be a part of that. Communion is an invitation to reflect on what Jesus did, what the Spirit still does, how the Father loves, and how we're called into a relationship of both invitation and challenge. You take the elements of communion and you think about the sacrifice and you think about the life that was poured out and that was given. The blood that runs through our veins now that he gave us so that we could live. Think about, and if you feel called out to sing this new song, feel that invitation, or if you just want to reflect on it, do that too. Let's pray. Father, how crazy that you call us your children, that you make us out of the dust, you breathe life into us, and you call us your own. And you call us, you call us to judge angels. Like you give us so much power and so much authority, I don't even know what to do with. Thank you for calling us up into relationship with you. Thank you for the constant invitation and the challenge to follow you, to walk with you, to grow with you. May we continue to hear your voice. May we start to hear your voice if we haven't for a long time. May we give ourselves up to you.